Hello and welcome to Into the Aether, dear listener. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Stephen, we uh, have gone from having no games to talk about to having too many games to talk about in a span Hell of yeah. about three days. Uh, yeah. We were texting each other the other day like, what do we talk about? What do we talk about? What do we talk about? And now <laughs> now we're overflowing with video games, which is a nice place to be in. Also, like, it's one of those episodes where there's no rhyme or reason for connections. We may find them as we discuss them, but it's like, <laughs> it's my favorite kind of episode where it's like, what is this grab bag of content? Yeah, what, uh, what is the nightmare good. thread that's going to actually link all this stuff together going to be? <laughs> the underworld silk. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there, there's a, there's a lot going on. I do, I do want to mention also, this is the first time we've recorded since releasing the soundtrack bonus, which like, yeah, just was like a really well received. Thank you all so much for like reaching out and, and saying nice things about that episode. Um, it was really fun to record and really fun to like do research for and stuff. And yeah. AJ fucking killed it on that yes. production. Thank you so much. Absolutely. AJ. Thank you, AJ. Yeah. That was also one that we were both like maybe the most nervous about. Uh, yeah. and I think it like, it's nice that we got so much positive feedback for something that was like kind of a riskier choice, I think. Yeah. Um, so like, we always really appreciate, you know, your kind words, but I think it also shows the benefit of like when you all give us cool ideas to explore, because that episode was kind of prompted by like listener feedback. Um, so, you know, I think the bonuses are always a great time as much as it's like, we're probably always going to have bonuses that are like a deep dive on one game. I think now we're like, we've got the data to explore more stuff like that. Like what if we did an episode about, you know, elements of the game and maybe not the game itself. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do a, a whole episode on game instruction manuals. <laughs> I gotta say, my favorite one is Gex Two Enter the Gecko. What can I say? <laughs> anyway, that's it. so. Thank you all so much for listening to that yes. episode and for saying nice things about it, and just for saying nice things about the show in general. Um, I feel like there's been a lot more support than usual recently, and it's really cool. Um, yeah, it means a lot for, for a show that's made by three people and uh, is is you know low key. Uh, (laughs) so, uh, that said a couple updates, I want to start the episode with some updates on some things. Um, number one, bravely default Two was the last thing that we talked about on the last episode. And I think we dunked on it a lot and I think still rightfully (laughs) it's, there's a lot of elements of that game that I'm not a huge fan of still, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I've played like another I don't know, five to ten hours of that game since we last recorded. Um, I, I bumped up against this one boss that uh, just like completely destroyed me, just walloped me. Uh, I was like so confident because I had been spending so much time just like grinding and listening to podcasts. And like that is the game that it was going to be for me. And I and I leveled up to a point that I was like, I'm going to just continue playing the story at this point and uh, went along and went up against a boss that like completely destroyed me. And at that point, I was like, I am putting this game down because if I just spent like another three hours grinding and then like still couldn't beat this boss then maybe this isn't the game for me um and for some reason i just felt the pull back to it over the course of like the last couple days um and i've like gotten really into it in a big way again and like made it past that boss and i've like continued going on in the story and uh I, i think just like unlocking more classes and allowing myself to experiment more with them and like mixing and matching skills from all different classes is really highlighting what's so cool about that game mechanically i still think narratively there's a lot of problems i still think from an art direction standpoint there are a lot of problems but it 
really is like becoming a game that I'm like, oh, maybe I should consider this for like Goaty 2021. Like just like oh, wow. placement in general. Not I'm not saying top 10, but I'm saying like <laughs> it could it could be an honorable it's mention. A contender. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I have not played it yet. To be honest, I probably won't get it just because like I don't think it's for you. Yeah, I don't think it's for me, and I think we're also playing so much right now. You have no idea, dear listener, what's going on behind the scenes here. I'm playing so many games that I have not even brought up consciously that I'm very excited to share eventually. Big same. But even for stuff I'm bringing to the show, I'm just like, you know, it actually has gotten me more curious to finally play Final Fantasy V, which seems like it is the spiritual successor to. Yeah. It's one of the few Final Fantasy games I haven't played, so I might tiptoe down to the retro store look in their uh, box of, of dust and PS one games and see if I can find it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you found a place for it in your life. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really good. It's really good. And also just to a- add on to a bit from, uh, from the last episode, um, the offline progression mode is just like so wonderful. Cause like just knowing yeah. that even when I'm not playing it, I can return and like have, uh, progressed a little bit is just so wonderful. So probably default to, uh, I, I, I am liking even more than last week, but still have some, uh, hesitation about recommending it to people. But if you listen to that episode and you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, maybe now I, I, w- I would recommend checking it out in that. It sounds case, like a, if, if Phil, like a podcast game idle game void yeah. more than it would like a jrpg void traditionally at least for what you and i look for in that genre very much very yeah. much quick non sequitur if yeah. you don't mind yeah, please. so talk talking about the retro store got me thinking so here's the deal i walked past you guessed it paper mario thousand year door the <laughs> beloved mario rpg that's kind of been like in the realm of like a lot of games we've been talking about recently is that the gamecube one or the wii one it's the gamecube one okay. the wii one is 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 not as highly regarded that's the one that people don't the GameCube, like okay. yeah oh well that began the downward trend i would say yeah that was the first one that kind of deviated from the rpg genre we talked a lot about it but anyway we're, we're playing a lot of rpgs that remind me of that series we've even played uh, mario and luigi somewhat recently mm-hmm. and like that seems to be the one that people love and it sure was 245 dollars oh so what God. i'm at, what i'm asking the <laughs> listener is hey if you really think that i'm gonna love that game and that you really want to hear us talk about it let me know and i'll i'll plan accordingly otherwise uh nice no <laughs> <laughs> but i mean I, i'm sure i could find a way to maybe get it for less but um it seems like it's one of those like earthbound scenarios where it's just like very hard to get like in a direct way yeah i mean it just always gonna hammer this home but nintendo and game preservation man i mean yeah that that shouldn't be happening nintendo that money could be your money yeah right as much as i love the retro store and would want to support them yes it's a lot of money yeah i could get like a vita for that and then play a lot of games that haven't also been preserved (laughs) (laughs) um well, yes. Uh, you shouldn't have to refinance your fucking house to play Paper Mario. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I really want to play that game. Yeah. So uh, let me know. Let me know if it's if, if the hype is real. Um. Next update. Moving right along. Uh, I want to I want to just throw out a game recommendation. Um. I don't want to say a whole lot about it because it's one of those games. It's like way better if you don't really know a whole lot about it. But there's a game that I'm playing on my cellular telephone, my iPhone, my iOS device. <laughs> 
that is also available on Mac and PC. Cellular telephone. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's also available on Mac and PC. I imagine it's also good on, on desktop if that's like your preferred way of playing it because it's a lot of just like tapping and clicking and pointing. Uh, but it is called There Is No Game. I just saw a tweet recommending it earlier in the week from Justin McElroy who said it is probably his favorite game of 2020 after like having played it because um, it came out last year. Uh, and I have been playing it. And Steven, it is unbelievable it is so good uh i think it probably would have been on my top 10 had i known that it existed before this week uh yeah it is it is just an unbelievable game um i will give a very brief uh feather light pitch for this game Uh, okay but it is essentially you open up at least on my phone you open up this app and the app is just talking to you in in uh in like this very kind of deep gravelly voice and is trying to convince you to not play the game uh and you need to find whatever means possible to continue diverting that plan and play the game and it involves a lot of like messing around with uh the options and like unscrewing the like settings gear uh that that indicates (laughs) that you're supposed to go into the settings and like using it to throw it at somebody else and things like that it's like so outside the box it feels like it's taking like point and click to like its logical conclusion in a way almost that almost that like monkey island uh version of point and click where it's like so irreverent that like what if it was circling back around and like if monkey island didn't want you to play it that's what this game is (laughs) and and uh it's really really wild i i kind of don't want to say more what i will say about it is if you pick it up and you start playing it at least get to chapter two because chapter one i think is good but chapter two is when it really pops off and then chapter three is like uh, holy shit like jimmy neutron brain blast moment um <laughs> and that's that's all i'm gonna say about it i i just wanted to mention that i've been playing it and like really loving it but i don't think there's any like meaningful way that you and i could have any kind of discussion about it on the show but it is something that i highly recommend that's saying a lot given we somehow managed to do a spoiler free 13 sentinels episode <laughs> so like if we could talk about that and not this it must be very out there the thing about this game is that the mechanics are the thing right that right. is a spoiler uh and that's why i don't want to talk about it that makes sense but it sounds really cool i might uh i might check it out yeah it's great i, I think it's like five bucks on mobile and then i think it's like 10 bucks on on pc and mac so i can buy it like 80 times or i can get paper mario thousand year door once. <laughs> there you go we found the nightmare string already <laughs> it's paper mario on the thousand year door I'm now going to think about like everything like, okay, I can either get two weeks of groceries or one <laughs> thousand year door. Paper Mario the thousand year door is going to become the new hot cryptocurrency, actually. <laughs> you can buy percentages of a Paper Mario in the thousand year door for the Nintendo My 401k GameCube. is just copies of thousand year door. I'm going to get like... <laughs> Imagine you like, wow, I, I'm so glad to have finally retired from my incredible long term office job. And, and your boss comes and hands you just like stacks of Paper Mario. And the <laughs> doors, like, here's your 401k. Have fun. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. It's really good. It's a, it's a really good follow up to the N64 classic, <laughs> but it's also kind of the swan song of the genre. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy multiple copies of it. Good night. <laughs> I don't know who that is. It's like a roadrunner and a boss. Combined. Yeah, that, that felt like like a like a the first person to discover what stand up comedy was going to become. <laughs> hey, is this thing on? Evening, ladies and germs. Hey, have you played Thousand Year Door yet? Oh, it's pretty fucking cool. There's a Goomba that's on your team. Hey, anyway, that's my time. You've been a wonderful audience. Good night. <laughs> In like a diner. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Was that a new art form? I guess it was. <laughs> I'm just imagining like the Back to the Future moments. Like, 
Hey, this is your this is your cousin, Roman Seinfeld. You know that new form of comedy you've been looking for? <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> What's the deal with Paper Mario RPGs? <laughs> this is fucking terrible. We gotta, yeah, let's move we gotta on. hit yeah. eject. <laughs> Uh, the the last thing in our in our update segment that we want to talk about, uh, we we were just it's kind of like three of Seinfeld that the uh, parking lot episode you can actually see Jerry and crew in the mirror that makes it look bigger than it is. Is that true? It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. I know nothing else about Seinfeld other than that weird fun fact. Have you not like watched my, Seinfeld? I watched uh, I watched a decent amount of it. Like oh, just okay. like by existing, it's always on. Yeah. <laughs> there are new ads for old episodes of Seinfeld. Yeah, it's pre- it's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's it's weird. Let's move on, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and I were talking before we started recording about the Bloomberg leak of the new Nintendo Switch oh, yeah. and, and the information about that, and I think we just wanted to like we, at, midway into the conversation, we were like, we should start recording and like actually talk about this on the show. Yeah. So recently, the Nintendo Switch hit like four years of existing. We're now it's four years old. It's, a, it's still crazy. Still a, a bouncing baby. It's a toddler, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but you know, it's, it's brought us a lot of joy. Um, and I think a lot of people for the longest time, at least you and I on the show have been just kind of like wondering when the next Nintendo switch was coming, because I think it just seemed like there was going to be three at all points, right? There was the Nintendo Mm. switch. There was the switch Lite, which was like the handheld only one. And like, what is the switch pro or the switch TV? Or like, is there going to be a version that's only docked? At least that was always my theory was that like, it was going to be a family of products and that was going to be the third one. Uh, and what we saw from this Bloomberg leak was essentially that uh, the new Nintendo Switch or whatever it's going to be called. Uh, I'm still hoping for the Nintendo Switch Advance, but, you know, we'll see. I think it will be called the new Nintendo Switch, honestly, oh, given God. their track record. Yeah, or it will be called the Switch U. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Super Nintendo the Wii Switch. Three. Wii 3? Yeah. I love that. You like that? I do. I really like what that. What if it's called Bravely Second? <laughs> what if it is named the system? <laughs> Brendan liked Bravely Default 2 so much, we went all in. Bravely second the system. <laughs> it can only play Bravely Default 2. <laughs> but it looks really fucking it lo- good. It's in 4K, though. Um, yeah. And that's that's the thing. Okay, so the new Nintendo Switch. It's still going to have a 720p uh, screen on the handheld mode. The bezels are going to be smaller, which is, you know, great. The screen is going to be OLED, which, um, for those of you who had a Nintendo Vita, the original Nintendo... Nintendo Vita? What? What? PlayStation we, we fucked Vita. up time travel. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday's Enterprise. Shit, shit, shit. I talked to too many people when I was in the past. Now there's a Nintendo Vita. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's the Prime Minister of Canada? What did I do? The PlayStation Vita had an OLED (laughs) screen and uh, just like the quickest overview of OLED. Black pixels don't even turn on. They just stay off. uh, So you get like true blacks. uh, And then Mm. then all the colors are just way more contrasty because of that. uh, OLED screens, wonderful. Big fan. Uh, Very excited about that on the new Switch. Um, the biggest thing I think though, is that it's going to output it in docked mode at 4k. So I, I've seen a lot of like people, uh, kind of bummed that the, the screen is going to say 720 on the handheld mode. Honestly, I have never once thought about the fact that it's 720 in handheld mode. I'm just always amazed that I'm playing those games on my switch. Yeah, for real. I don't even know. I I've seen some stuff that, uh, 
the the distance that you hold the switch away from your face when you're playing in handheld mode 720p is actually like so dense of a pixel uh sorry the pixel density is so high that like your eye can't even perceive the difference between pixels so like jumping that up to 1080p doesn't actually really make a whole lot of sense even yeah and that said it also keeps the the battery life high you know i i think right this, this is the thing i was tweeting about when this news broke was just like i imagine two different announcements for the nintendo switch or the new nintendo switch one of them is that it's 720p and the battery life is the same or better or that it's 1080p and the handheld battery life is worse than it was like right. which one do you think people will get more angry about <laughs> yeah for real um i can play three minutes of the new zelda sick yeah exactly exactly yeah. that that, that was my concern so i think 720p is a really smart idea also oled saves a lot of battery life as well because again the black pixels aren't turning on um so that that just kind of saves battery life in the, in the long term so that's all great uh the 4k thing i think is really interesting because as we already know from like hearing from developers and stuff there are some developers out there who are like okay we have to develop in 720p and then we also have to make like a 1080p texture version and we have to like store it all on the same nintendo switch cart and like that's very difficult to kind of develop for two different aspect ratios simultaneously um yeah and be able to switch between them that quickly you know when you just like plug the plug the switch into the dock so now going from 720 to 4k is like a completely different universe um and uh the the biggest theory right now is that it's gonna because uh nvidia works with nintendo to make the nintendo switch the biggest theory right now is that they're gonna use this new nvidia technology called dlss which i'm not gonna like go super into but essentially imagine a super smart ai piece of technology that can look at something that's being uh output in 1080p and just guess what the 4k version of that would look like and that's what dlss is it uses like almost no cpu power compared to like actually rendering something in 4k so a a lot of people have been using this for uh for different reasons on on desktop so like for example this is like the only way that you can play games in 8k currently if you for some reason have a system that can uh, output to 8k um this is the way that you can do it because you can you can output in 4k and then dlss can like take it all the way up to 8k because there's enough information in those pixels to like kind of know how this would look which is pretty wild it was like a pretty experimental thing and now it's like starting to be used a little bit more i think the pc release of death stranding has dlss uh in there i saw a Mm. demo that showed uh death stranding being played I think it was at uh, 320p being upscaled to 4K and it like looked passable, um, which is like incredible, you know, because it uses like almost no CPU power. Uh, And I think if I had to guess, that's what they're going to do in the Nintendo Switch. It kind of makes sense because then you could still tell developers like, hey, 720p for handheld, 1080p for docked mode, but then DLSS is going to take it up to 4K output. Um, which would be pretty sick. Um, it's a really cool technology and not something that I expected to see implemented in like a home console this quickly. But like considering it's like an NVIDIA proprietary thing right now, makes a lot of sense that Nintendo would be like, yeah, we'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take one. And just plug it into the yeah. new Switch. Um, I just don't know what it's going to look like to play a fucking Mario Kart in 4K. Like, <laughs> I just can't even imagine what that's going to look like. <laughs> it look like real people. Like realistic. It Mario looks like Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly. laughs> 
<laughs> Norman Reedus as Wario. Yeah. Um, shit about Mushroom Kingdom. But that's that's um, what the new Switch is going to be, and it's apparently coming either at the end of this year or like early 2022. And production is going to start like this summer, so like June, I think they said, and it is when it's going to like really go into production. So we might hear about it like at E3 or an E3 adjacent event, Summer Games Fest 2021, baby. <laughs> um, but it makes sense because I mean I think like even uh, from like Monster Hunter Rise to Splatoon 3 to a few other games, like they look like, at least the promotional material looks far beyond what the Switch could process. Yeah. Especially Splatoon 3. Yeah, like that, that Splatoon 3 like, trailer was like, there's no way this is running on a Switch. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm actually very excited to see that. Um, my only concern is like, is this going to be like uh, the jump from DS to 3DS, where the 3DS is basically a different system? With, with different games and all that. Or I, I think it's more likely going to be a Game Boy Color scenario where like most Game Boy games that come out can be played on Game Boy Color or Game Boy Pocket. But then eventually you get into some like Wario Land 3 territory where it's like only on Game Boy Color. Yeah. So like there's like a certain point where you actually have to get the new system. I think you and I were like hoping that that wouldn't be the case, but I think it will be based on based on what's going on. Yeah, here. I, I remember with the 3DS to the new 3DS, they like really tried to limit the amount of games uh, that were only available on the new 3DS. For some reason, Earthbound on the virtual console was only new 3DS. Yeah, which as far weird. as I know, the only limitations were virtual console stuff. There was uh, Xenoblade Chronicles uh, oh, was okay. only on new 3DS. And then I think there was a Kid Icarus game, if I'm not mistaken, that was only new 3DS as well. I might be wrong about that one. but I, I know for a fact that the Ultra Sun and Moon and Cutesy I could play on my normal 3DS, which were like both pretty late in the library. So yeah, my my there thought, weren't too many. My thought there is like if you're a developer, you're going to develop for the thing that is most widely available. And at that time, right. the 3DS was selling so well that like you by making it available only for the new 3DS, you were like really kind of uh, ruining your own chances of uh, financial success. So I imagine that that's probably what will happen here if I had to guess. But if they're really really focusing on DLSS and like the handheld mode is also the same resolution like it really could just be that every game that comes out is available on every nintendo switch but if you have this new version it'll output at 4k uh just using like fun ai magic which is like really a cool way of utilizing ai in a consumer product like that i think i agree i i think i hope that that's the case because i think I, I just feel like it will probably be the case for all third-party games, but I think there will eventually be like two or three Nintendo first-party games that you have to get it for. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I hope it's just like you only need to get it if you care that much about graphics. Yeah. I'm just wondering if, if like Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be like a Breath of the Wild 1 scenario where like, yeah, you can play it on the on the regular Nintendo Switch and it's going to run like the Wii U version of the original Breath of the Wild did. But like if you get this new one, it's going to be amazing. Be very interested to see what that looks like. It seems like Zelda has ever since the GameCube and the Wii, it's become like the bridge game. Like, yeah, Twilight Princess came out for GameCube and the Wii. Although, honestly, I think people prefer it on the GameCube overall. I liked it on the Wii. Fine. Is that true? I didn't know that. Well, I think like the motion controls at this point feel a little tacked on for Twilight Princess. Mm. I think they're fine because like unlike Skyward Sword, where they like built the game around motion controls, they're kind of just there in Twilight Princess. Like, yeah. I imagine when that's if if and when that's ported to Switch, they won't bother with the motion controls because like it felt like it was a GameCube game that then got thrown onto the Switch eventually. Yeah, I played it on uh, the the Wii U HD remake uh, with the, oh, with cool. the like Wii U Pro controller uh, and was great. So I'm hoping that they just bring that to the Switch. I, I agree. I hope that's what they do. I think I think they probably will. 
so yeah we'll see what happens yeah new switch it's exciting i, I this is something that i've been kind of curious about for a really really long time and i'm, I'm excited to like get any whiff of news about it um yeah if, if i had to guess i think like whenever we hear about the new switch we will also hear about breath of the wild 2 and they'll come out on the same day that's gonna be my guess is like here's yeah. the system seller for this new thing and honestly i think enough people if you didn't buy a switch like for quarantine which a lot of people did if you are people like you or i for example who like bought it pretty early on in the life cycle it's like kind of maybe time to upgrade anyway so like why not I, I think I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a really interesting device, and I'm I'm excited about it. I think the thing that honestly, before we move on, the thing that's most exciting to me, the more I think about it, is this idea of DLSS being used on the Nintendo Switch, where it'll just like because they're not going to say that they're not going to say it's using DLSS. They're just going to like mention that if you play stuff on the Switch, it'll look like it's 4K, or like it'll all these games will just be 4K. But what that means is if it's like built into the dock or built into the Switch in some way, it means you can go back and play older Switch games. And they will mm. look better yeah. if you play them on the new Switch on a 4K TV. And that's really cool to me. The idea that I could go play Breath of the Wild again and it's going to look amazing, like it's going to look like significantly different uh, is like really, really interesting, I think. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. It's similar to like playing stuff on the PS5 or Series S where like you get the like upgraded yes. version of older games. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, you and I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 13 on the Series S and that was like shocking. It's like, shocking what it that was, game looks yeah. like. Not not a great time game wise, yeah. but it looked beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I agree. It was like the best looking game on the Series S is Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> <laughs> and another game that we're talking about later. Yes. Yes, exactly. Also, I'm just thinking about like, what's the price going to be of the new Switch? And like, it'll probably be just a little bit more than Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. <laughs> You're probably right. I imagine yeah. it'll be like 1.2 Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Doors. <laughs> I think it's in my question. I think it's worth paying that much for it. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait for that new switch instead. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Talk let's to you take soon. a break and then move on to uh, more 2021 video games. Can you believe it? Woohoo! I can't believe it. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Steven, we're back in Hello. the episode. Oh, okay. And I want to tell you about a game that came out this week that I was like moderately interested in. Uh, and then and then a friend of ours mentioned that it's available for Mac and I picked it up. Uh, and it's like literally all I want to do now. It is like I, I mentioned, Whoa. you know, Bravely Default 2 game that is like going to be maybe an honorable mention in the 2021 Goatee episode, you know, way down at the end of the year. This game is called Loop Hero, and this is going to be in the top 10 for me, wow. at least like no early. question. I'm calling it early. I mean, this game is unbelievable. You know, we've, we've been doing the show long enough that I feel like for the first six months of the year, we like... Trying to map out what's going to be goatee, and then September comes and just throws like a bucket of paint on us. Like, <laughs> it, just, like, it feels like I don't know what it is about September that it's like the month of like surprises and and like yeah. obsessions. Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, 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 uh, all good. I, I I will probably eat these words, but Loop Hero is like really really good, man. Uh, so. This is one of those games that's going to be hard to describe via an audio medium like podcasting. Ah! Uh, but I will try my best uh, to explain why this is good. That said, uh, if none of this works for you, if everything I'm about to say is like, I still don't understand what this game looks like or how it plays. Uh, I have uploaded two videos of me playing it to our YouTube channel already Ooh, at the time of this recording. Cool. And there will probably be more because all I want to do is play this game. Uh, but anyway, Loop Hero. It is a roguelite. So already, you know, in my wheelhouse uh checkbox 
uh, of things that I love. Very exciting. The idea of the of the game is essentially you are a the narrative doesn't really matter, obviously, but you are a like knight who wakes up uh, in kind of like an abyss after the apocalypse has happened, and you are trying to foggily remember the way the world looked. And the only thing you see when you start a, a run of this game is essentially a loop of just like a road, um, and it's all wasteland. This road, and your knight, your like player character, just wanders around this. Road road in a loop nonstop and and you have no control over them they just do it by themselves and there are enemies who will spawn on this little road and they will fight those enemies by themselves so mm. you might be asking yourself okay where's the game then if the game's playing it you know playing by itself essentially essentially when you beat an enemy there are two things that can happen number one is you can get some items that you can equip that'll have a bunch of like different stats so you can get you know armors uh, and 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 rings and uh shields and swords and different weapons and things like that and you can equip those and they'll have different stats like okay you'll evade attacks more frequently or uh something more spicy like maybe vampirism which will allow you to anytime you hit an enemy you get a little bit of that health back and you heal yourself things like that you know kind of like classic rpg stuff yeah the other thing that can happen when you defeat an enemy is you can get cards and this is where i think if you look this uh, game up you'll see it described as a uh, deck building roguelike which um i bump up against a little bit i understand i understand the idea behind calling it a deck building game i don't really feel it in practice because the the cards that you're getting quote unquote feel so little like cards that it doesn't really apply i think but that said you can get these cards and what the cards are are different environmental changes that you can apply to the loop so when you start when you start the loop it's all just called wasteland tiles which will just spawn like little slimes kind of like uh like dragon quest slimes but you can get different cards that will do things like turn into a grove for example so like one square of this loop will turn into a grove which can spawn different kinds of enemies you can get like uh spider egg sacks that you can put adjacent to roads and they will spawn spiders you know every day or every two days or things like that um, so you can get things that will like markedly change the way the actual loop works. But simultaneously, you can also get cards that will change the environment around the loop as well. Uh, so things like mountains and rocks and like meadows and things like that, rivers that you can place around the loop um, that will just kind of like fill out that stuff. And all of these things have stat bonuses. So like a meadow, for example, when you put it down, you get two health every time you finish a loop. Or actually, I think that one is is every day. So there's like this is getting two in the weeds already. So just bear with me. But there's like a little slider that's going up as your guy is making his way around the loop that is essentially one day and every time the day timer ticks more enemies will spawn on the loop but also you'll get all these passive bonuses for all of the like mountains and meadows and things like that that you've placed around um it's like a meadow when you put it down you get two health every time that the day meter fills up if you put a meadow next to something else that's not a meadow the meadow will bloom so you get this like fun synergy there and the, and the blooming meadow will give you five HP uh, oh, every, every cool. time the, the day timer ticks up. So there are a lot of weird, interesting synergies between these like quote unquote cards as you're putting them down. I just found one recently uh, where if you put rocks or mountains uh, in a nine by nine grid, uh, it'll turn into like one gigantic kind of like Mount Everest size mountain that will spawn harpies, which will come down and fly down to the loop and harpies have good items, things like that. Um, I found like an, another card. I've unlocked another 
card because you can unlock cards as time goes on. That's called the Blood Grove that you can put next to regular groves. So I mentioned the regular grove will spawn like little kind of werewolf looking guys. You can put a Blood Grove next to that and the Blood Grove will make it so if an enemy you're fighting has 15% HP or less, the Blood Grove will just eat it. So essentially you're like your little guy doesn't have to waste that time like whacking that guy. It'll just, Mm. you know, get eaten. I'm also concerned that if your health is at 15% HP or less, the Blood Grove will eat you too. I haven't uh, I haven't gotten into a situation where that happens, but there are a lot of trade-offs like that, which leads yeah. me to believe that that's probably the case there. Right. There, I, I think this game is just like kind of perfect in a lot of ways in that if roguelikes are all about the the passive decisions that the player has to make at any point this game is like literally only decisions at all times i think i think the idea of making it so the guy is just making his way around the loop and fighting uh automatically is so brilliant because like adding any more to this game by way of decisions would be like another step too far yeah what is really nice is that at any point uh you can write i'm playing on mac you can right click on the mouse and that'll freeze time uh when he's like making his way around the loop so you can like sit there and look at your cards and decide like okay do i actually want to place this stuff do i not it's also worth noting that every time you place a card down on the actual world itself it fills up another meter which is like the boss meter so once you have uh put down enough cards the boss will spawn there and you have to beat the boss to move on to the next part and that's kind of like your your roguelike loop in that way uh, as you just need to make it through all these bosses constantly there's another thing that's very interesting where as you're making your way through some of the different places like a grove for example when your knight goes through the the grove you get some wood uh and these are resources that you can bring back in between loops or in between runs of the game uh they can use to build up there's like a like a town building kind of mini game that happens outside of the game uh which will give you passive bonuses when you're in runs um so there is that kind of rogue legacy adjacent constant progression that's happening there uh so it's really scratching for me like every single itch that a roguelike can scratch simultaneously uh yeah. and it's just so beautiful the music is amazing the music is ridiculous it's wonderful like kind of um like what if the sega genesis went as hard as possible kind of music <laughs> um and and uh the pixel art style feels less like something that is like trying to emulate something that has already happened and more like um more more like kind of inventing a new style that could could have existed yeah. but didn't uh it feels very modern in the way that it's been developed um kind of almost like hyper light drifter i don't think they look similar at all but just in terms of like taking this kind of art style or taking like a, a pixel art style and like adapting it into something that feels more modern that's kind of what this feels like it's like there's no way this could have existed but it does yeah i felt that way with cross code as well and that it was like absolutely yeah you know definitely referencing an older era of games but it felt so modern and, and like just stunning like it was such good pixel art yeah uh, that the same exact thing is true here with Loop Hero. I, I was a little bit iffy about checking it out. I had heard some rumblings about it being very good um, a while ago because there was a beta that dropped. Um, and, and I had seen some stuff about like, hey, this game is really great already. So like when the full thing comes out, it's going to be awesome. Uh, and I was like, OK, this is like maybe on my radar of stuff to check out. And then when it actually dropped when 1.0 dropped, I just saw a bunch of people tweeting like Loop Hero is ridiculous. You need to check it out. And, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm going to be honest, like early on, I wasn't super sure if I liked it. I was like, okay, I kind of get what's happening here. And then three hours had gone by and I was like, oh shit, this is like really doing the thing that I I wish other roguelikes did. It's incredible, Steven. It sounds really great. I'm definitely going to get it. You sold me on it immediately. I am so excited for you to play it and to talk about it a little bit more. And I imagine that's probably a thing that will happen because like this is really all I want to be doing now. Um, (laughs) I love it. It also... 
it sounds cool that they've kind of gamified game design in some ways. Like, I think, like, yeah. my first thought was, like, they made a game out of being a DM. Where, like, it's like you're designing <laughs> yeah. the adventure that happens outside of your control. But you still have to think about, like, okay, like, I want to make sure that there's, like, reward and challenge here. But, like, I also need to make sure they progress. Yeah, a, a lot of... So, there was a point uh, when I was playing yesterday where I had this moment where I was, like, thinking about this idea of, like, roguelikes are all about the decisions that the player has to make. I, at a certain point, I was like, really, you're being given this hand of cards and you kind of need to put them down most of the time. Uh, you can hold on to cards and, like, you can eventually, like, fill up your hand. And if you fill up your hand and you get more cards after that, the cards at the bottom of your stack will just kind of, like, dissolve and turn into resources that you can bring back to the camp. So, like, there is a good reason and actually hold on to and fill out your hand of cards and not play them all. But for the most part, I, I was thinking at, at a certain point yesterday, like the only decision that I'm really making is can my knight survive another round in this mm. loop? Because uh, every time so there's a campfire tile and every time you go through the campfire, that's like essentially leveling up all of the enemies uh, on, on this loop. And and you have to make a decision at a certain point. I didn't even really mention this, but you're collecting all these resources. Uh, you have to make a decision at a certain point to press this button that's essentially like go back to camp. So you can continue going on this loop until you die and you can lose most of the resources you picked up or if you're close enough to the campfire you can just press a button and go back and lose like either none or like a very low percentage of the resources you've collected um and you can use those things to upgrade all the stuff at your camp which is really wonderful and i highly recommend doing that if you are out there and you're playing this game and you're like i don't really understand why i would want to collect these resources i just like playing the game go do it because it will help you a lot that said uh i i at a certain point was just like i I think the only decision I'm really making is like, can my knight survive another loop? And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about like all of these moments where I'm right clicking to pause the game and just sitting there and like staring at it like it's a chessboard. And I, I think that's really where like the the fun of the game lies is sitting there yeah. and being like, OK, there are certain things you want. You know, you want to try and make the nine by nine grid of the mountains and rocks. You want to make sure that all the meadows are placed next to things that aren't meadows. So they'll bloom into into blooming meadows. There are things called like treasuries that you can put down that are like little locked like chests, essentially. And when you surround them with uh, other items or other uh, tiles like rocks and meadows and things like that, they can open up and you can get items out of the treasuries. But also when they open up, they start spawning gargoyles every day. Uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah. You know, you can put down vampire mansions that will like turn, you know, villages that you put down into like villages that are raided by vampires or filled with ghosts and stuff. Um, oh my God, I love that. Yeah, there's like really really a lot of stuff going on here and a they have these narrative moments every once in a while that will pop up like when you're introduced to a new kind of enemy so they did that with a harpy uh, the first time that I met a harpy mm. um, but they also do that the first time you meet a vampire and the vampire shows up and it's just like usually we're so kind to people but now we're so hungry so we're going to <laughs> suck your blood and, and your knight is like well I guess it's kind of a bummer that the vampires are so hungry <laughs> I love that. Usually so much. they're so kind and great and help us with our finances, but now I don't know why. But they just like offhandedly mentioned that like vampires were just like cool guys that like ran like banks. <laughs> Like the narrative that's happening in this game is like trying to play it completely straight that vampires were like awesome, but now they really want to eat people. Loop Knight, what's wrong? I don't know. You know, uh, Claude von Helsing? Well, the thing about him is that he always did my taxes and now he wants to kill me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. 
Uh, it's really bizarre. It's a really bizarre thing. Uh, when, when they introduce all these things, it's like the night constantly just being, there was a point where I built, um, a a gymnasium. It's one of the things that you can build at the camp. Uh, and, and the, the night's conversation with like the person who runs the camp was essentially like, now you can learn all new kinds of skills. And the night was like, leave learning to the kids. I know everything I need to know. It's like, why are you (laughs) imbuing this character in like this grim, dark world with this fucking character trait he's titus like it doesn't make any sense (laughs) this is my story i realized all the vampires i had met over the last five years wanted to eat me i thought they were cool Uh, hey what's going on if you if you put enough uh village tiles next to each other it'll start spawning bandit camps because now there's like enough people living in a settlement that that bandits want to move in And and the first time you meet a bandit the knight is just like well it's kind of upsetting that there are people who want to steal other people's money, but also, if my job is to restore the world, then I guess it's okay that there's bad people here, but I don't know how I feel about bad people. I think I'm going to hit them with my sword. <laughs> like, oh my god. It's just it's just like total nonsense. Like it just doesn't need to be there at all. Um I'm I'm glad that. it is because it just makes me laugh every time the yeah. knight says anything cuz it's so wild. <laughs> um <laughs> But like the conversations that the knight has with like harpies and vampires and ghosts and stuff are like so hilarious. Like, why not? I guess. Yeah, I love that. What are how are ghosts perceived in this world? I need to know. Um, nothing, nothing that I know of at the moment. So ghosts are kind of like a byproduct. If you have like mm. a if you have like a cemetery or uh, what's called a battleground near a bunch of other tiles, it'll just kind of like imbue this effect that makes it so when you kill any enemy, they might just like turn into a ghost. Like their their soul might oh, leave okay. their body, and then you have to fight the soul also. Right, right, die. right. If a summoner doesn't send the souls after the defeated, that they can't leave spirits, <laughs> so they become a fiend. I got, it, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you already said that you want to get it, but I don't know if I've done a very good job of like explaining how this game actually Dude, plays. I think you did. I mean, I at least I am familiar enough with the genre to fill in the blanks, but I think you did a great job. Now, I, I have one question. Is it on Steam or is it like just a straight app purchase? Like it is on, on Steam. That's where I played it. I think it's also gotcha. available on the Epic Game Store. Um, cool. So like cool. the the two real places that you could pick it up, uh, it's available. I do kind of wish it was on the App Store, too. And we're, we're going to talk about a game that we both got on the App Store later. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but like for some reason, the app store just feels like a more fun place to buy things than, than Steam uh, in 2021. That's the thing. It's like I made my Steam account in like 2010. So everything kind of feels like 2010 about it still. Yeah, like, I totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm very excited to check it out. Oh, maybe we'll talk about it again soon. But that, that sounds so much fun. Yeah. I love that. It is unbelievable, Stephen. Uh, I'll say this much. Uh, a run of this game, at, at least um, the runs that I've played at this point, will tend to take between like 30 and 40 minutes that seems to be like that seems to be the length of time so like uh, just kind of like Hades. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hades, I, I found, can like get up to like an hour at times if you like mm. really make it to the end. Um, but that's kind of early on. Once you get better at Hades and once you understand yeah. more about Hades, you make the decisions faster. And I think that takes you a, a, a lesser amount of time. And maybe the same will be true of Loop Hero, except for the fact that the the knight is moving around the loop at like a predetermined speed. So in, in that sense, I, I think it might always take a half hour ish. I have one other question. When the Loop Hero dies... Do you keep any progress for the next run? Is that what the town is for that you're building outside of the game? Yeah. So when you die, gotcha. at least I've only died once so far, but when you die, it, it takes you 
back to the camp and I think you lose 80% of the resources you had gathered. Okay. But you can take those resources and then, you know, stockpile them and then turn them into cool stuff at back at the camp. But that said, every time you start, it's probably worth mentioning this. Every time you start a new run, uh, it wipes the world clean. So it just becomes a new loop in a new shape right. with, you know, the, just the wasteland tiles. Then you start from scratch there. Uh, you can also, as you continue to upgrade your camp, you unlock new cards and you can build your quote unquote deck. Uh, I think you have to have between seven and 12 cards in your deck and, and you can, you know, start to experiment with synergies and things like that. So I actually had a deck that I was running that only had eight cards in it for a while just to like see what it felt like to have, you know, kind of better odds of picking up things that I knew were going to synergize really well. And now I think my deck has like 11 cards in it yeah i don't know i i I don't find that side of things as interesting honestly as like the actual moment to moment of playing and like the the uh risk reward of saying like okay i'm gonna build one part of this map up to be just like horrible for me like it's just gonna be (laughs) terrible just tons of spiders tons of goblins tons of bandits like vampires everywhere they're all gonna turn into ghosts gonna be fucking nightmare but if i make it through on this loop i'm gonna get so much loot so many resources so many rewards it's like probably going to be worth it for me um and then you know the the decision making becomes like not only can i make it through this loop but can i just make it through that one patch of the area um like (laughs) that that i find very fun and then there are other items or other uh, tiles that you can put down that'll like mitigate the amount of enemies that can spawn in places or you can put things down like the blood grove that'll make it much easier to just fly through areas like that um it's it's very good it's a very good game it's very well considered game it sounds cool Yeah. yeah i mean i'm really fascinated fascinated by games that are like uh, tactical or RPGs or, or roguelikes, I guess, that are all about kind of manipulating AI in some way. Like, you're not actually the one controlling the character, but you're invested in the outcome of that character. Yes. I might have mentioned this before, but there was an old PC game called Majesty that I really loved as a kid Ooh. that was like, it was basically like Age of Empires, like you're the king of this kingdom, and you can choose like what you, you know, would gather gold over time, and you can choose what buildings to make, and some buildings kind of like Starcraft or Age of Empires can make up to four types of a, of a unit, but every type of unit had a predetermined behavior. So like if you made warriors, warriors would never venture outside your kingdom. They would mm. just stay put and they would attack any beasts that show up. Whereas rangers, all they do is explore. So like they immediately just run out and they're just like to their death will just explore as long as they can. Yeah. And then you have rogues where rogues are like the only kind of control you have over characters is you can put up bounties. So you can put either an explore flag or an attack flag and then specify how much gold the character will get if they if they go there and do it. And rogues are like, no matter what you put as the target, they'll attack it for money. So like <laughs> I even I remember I put an attack flag on my castle and they started attacking it. So like you weirdly have the most control over rogues, even though they're like very selfish. Yeah. Um, wow. That that sounds really cool. Yeah. I think you can get it on. I, I think it's on the app store, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if it's like the same version, but I have not played it in like literal decades, but I remember really liking it as a kid. And then eventually, too, you can invite like um, you can choose between gnomes, dwarves or elves. You can only get one and they join your kingdom and they have their own thing. So like gnomes like live in these like really kind of unfortunate shacks, but they like you get a bunch of them and they're really good at repairing um, dwarves. Uh, you only get like two, but they're also very good at repairing and their base shoots like a clockwork crossbow and the elves are kind of like rogues but they're better and they have a casino that you can play at so what else do you want oh hell yeah Uh, majesty i've looked this game up it is available on windows ios mac 
and uh, PC. Yeah, I again have not played it in decades, but I remember liking it a lot. And even just conceptually, I thought it was interesting. And it sounds like Lupiero is like weirdly following up on Majesty in some ways. Yeah, they, they look they look totally different, but this also does look <laughs> really cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually very interested in checking this out now. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Let me know how it is. I mean, it might Ooh. be a total bust, but it's for ages you know, nine and up. Ages nine and up. That's exactly how old I was when I played it. So Great. there you go. Uh, I'm nine and up still. Um, <laughs> uh, Loop Hero, really, really wonderful game. Highly recommended. I also just want to give a shout out to some of the accessibility options in there. Oh, they, hell yeah. They have like a they have like a pixel art font um, that is really wonderful. I actually like it a whole lot. Uh, that's included in the game um, or like is kind of the default for the game. But if you go into the settings, they also have uh, what's called an HD font, which just seems to be like Helvetica or like whatever your your system font is. Um, and then they also have another font that exists purely for uh, people who are dyslexic. Uh, to be able to read more oh, easily, cool. um, which is great. I, I just love that that exists. And uh, yeah, that's that's, awesome. a, that's Loop Hero. It's awesome. It's so good. I'm I, I'm going to be talking about it a lot or playing it a lot or maybe both. I'm not really sure. Uh, but stay tuned to the YouTube and maybe also the Twitch because I'm going to be playing this a lot, I think, on the internet specifically. Oh, yeah. Very excited. Yeah. Cool. You want to move on? Yeah, let's move on. All right. Brendan, you mentioned at the start of the episode that we went from not having enough games to talk about to having too many to talk about. And what I'm about to bring up <laughs> I'm sorry, is I'm sort already of laughing. Like... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, keep going, please, 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 please. I will. What I'm about to bring up is like the equivalent of like us needing a holodeck episode where it's like, shit, we just need a video game. <laughs> what is something? What is something we can play that is so off brand, that is so out of like truly one of the most like popular games out there, but also just like someone that you would probably never guess we would bring up given our track record. That's right. Call of Duty Mobile back on the Aether. (laughs) I'm happy to report that I have been playing on my Xbox Series S via Game Pass Forza Horizon 4. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yeah. So. Uh, quick shout out to our, our mutual friend, Dom Nero, who recently was on 11 again with Persia talking about Second City TV. Incredible episode. If you haven't listened, check it out. And it's a great show you should listen to. Also has been on our show a couple times. He's a great friend, a great person, but he's also the type of friend that will make inside jokes with himself and then kind of throw them at you until you accept them. <laughs> so he has chosen Forza for some reason as his new kind of muse. And he'll, he'll text me. Actually, he's been texting a group, not to put him on blast, we've been texting a group thread of our friends like a group text which is already a risky move because even a good text in a group is is a lot you know <laughs> you're alerting dozens of people with it with a text so he's been telling us all how much he's been enjoying forza and he's been calling it za he's like i'm a big za head these days <laughs> and i can't tell if it's for real or not then my friend andy shout out to, to you my friend i love you andy is like hilgi get on the za train and i'm like what is like this is the most <laughs> this is just a game about cars why has it become modern art? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's on Game Pass. And, and in the spirit of the show, I was like, okay, we often enjoy the thrill of checking out a game that we have like virtually no interest in and seeing what awaits us. Yeah. I think the biggest example was Death Stranding. Both of us had like active disinterest in the game, but felt compelled to check it out. Yeah. And both loved it. So I was like, okay, I have Game Pass now. I can play uh, Forza Horizon 4, a hit from 2018 that has been recently updated for the series S and X, worth noting. Um, and it's great. I'm having a great time. Yeah. It is... Uh, <laughs> 
for such like a, a normal game, it has been such a bizarre experience for me. Yeah. Because like, oh man, I'm loving this. I, I just, yeah. just before, before you get into your experience, I do want to mention like, I actually do also really like the Forza franchise. I've played all of these games. Um, I tend to not bring them up on the show generally, uh, but I, but I have played them. Uh, so I, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan. I'm so interested to see like where you have found yeah. the fun in here. Cause it seems like it's coming from a chaotic place. I'll say that much. Like it seems it like it's absolutely coming. Absolutely is. Yeah. Because for me, it's like, Oh, I just like driving around and listening to music. And I think for you, it's like in a completely different stratosphere. And I'm so excited for you to bring me into your nightmare world. Yeah. <laughs> It's become like borderline Dada for me. So um, top level pitch, longtime listeners will remember that you brought to the show Steep in our first season. Yeah, man. A, a very overlooked and underrated snowboarding, skiing, tubing, winter sport game. Yeah, everybody should play Steep. That you pitch is like, okay, the game is like the best sort of podcast game or like listen to music and zone out game. You're just sort of like, you know, riding around the mountain on various, uh, uh, you know, skis or snowboards. And it's like, it just sort of a vibe. Yeah. You can get a jetpack now and steep, by the way. <laughs> there was recently a tweet where someone was like, steep was so over overlooked. And I, I, I saw you liked it. I think no one else did. But it, was like, it was like, Brendan Bigley liked this. Yeah, it was the I official steep skiing. account tweeted that. And I was the only person yeah. who hit the like button. <laughs> Exactly. So Forza is, is, um, first of all, it's a beautiful game. Like it, yeah. it's really, it's really stunning, especially in the upgraded. Um, I imagine it looks great on the Xbox one, which it originally came out for, but the series S version is like really, really beautiful. Yeah. Um, the thing that's kind of border bordering kind of our like vestibule into like the Dante's Inferno that I've been experiencing is like the game assumes you like really like cars. And I just like do not care at all. Like, yeah. There's so much yeah. like car porn in this game. Like the, the intro sequence looks like a car commercial. And when you select a car, they're like, oh, that's a beaut. And like it will like have the doors open and show you the seats. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. Yeah, I'm not, it doesn't, it doesn't like, matter. Yeah. For for someone who really likes cars, if that's your thing, I'm sure this is great. But like <laughs> I, I don't have any so like already I feel like I'm having a dream. Not a nightmare. And not like, <laughs> oh, this is a dream, like a paradise. I feel like I'm having a dream. Yeah. That I'm somewhere I don't belong. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing a game. I'm playing a game that I feel like is for like car enthusiasts as someone who doesn't care yeah and still having a great time weirdly enough last night i had a dream in which i was a, a baker who was reviewing <laughs> other people's breads and That's exactly i, how I, I didn't think that that would Forza. be at all relevant to the podcast episode that you and i were going to record today that's exactly how i feel playing this game because <laughs> i also i remember my dreams maybe <laughs> twice a year and the fact that i had that dream last night and remembered it <laughs> And it's contextually it's relevant to Forza Horizon 4 and the Xbox Series X is on a completely different level. This is, oh my God, this is unprecedented um, Aether um, material. I feel, like, I feel like my third eye just opened after playing this game for car enthusiasts. Yes, having a dream where you're a baker reviewing other people's bread, having no knowledge of, of the craft, is ex literally no for no exactly how I feel playing Forza Horizon oh 4. Oh my God. Because they asked you to choose your car. I'm like, I don't know. I immediately, whatever car I choose, I immediately painted a Wario palette, two-tone purple and gold. I did the same and thing when I played. <laughs> <laughs> 
my license plate says Calzones, oh, and my, my name is Zeus. Everyone's like, hey, Zeus, how do you come to the race? Oh, my God. And what's really surreal is that they have other drivers in the game that are marked by your friends on Xbox. Yeah. One of which my friend is named Tony Macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> Crashing into Tony Macaroni in my Wario car with my Calzone <laughs> license plate. And just the English countryside. Like, the most beautiful visuals are being wasted on me. Just driving <laughs> like a... like. I'm playing this game as if I'm driving in GTA. It's like my the thing about Forza. It's worth noting is that like it is a very realistic driving. It is a big learning curve. Yeah. So like it's actually very well made. It, it's it's really thrilling to like be able to tune your car and and to uh, try to do well at the races. Um, but the biggest vibe I'm getting is like the Optimus Tony Hawk Underground because like <laughs> you meet all these people who are like, hey Zeus, like come down to the race with us, and you have to, you know go do a race, and then someone's like, wow, your driving is great. Do you want to be a stunt driver for this movie we're shooting? <laughs> and then that that film company gave me a house. And what's so funny is like, I'm terrible at this game. I can't stress enough. I've never been worse at a game in my life. I am constantly just honking my horn with my Calzone license plate crashing into cottages. Like by the time I arrive at the next destination, my car is like about to explode. And they're like, wow, I've heard great things about you, Zeus. <laughs> and you you choose your name. There are like dozens of names that they will say out loud. Mm -hmm. so and there's some wild ones like Spanky and like all these other things. Yeah. But like, and and you choose your character too. There are like pre-made characters that that you can choose. My guy kind of looks like Kurt Russell's nephew. Is what I kind of imagine. He's like got a tasteful mullet. Yeah. Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell uh, is his son, I believe. Yeah. 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 I'm a big Wyatt Russell fan. He's a good actor. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, no shade on Wyatt Russell. My, my character looks like the, the like forgotten member of the Russell family. <laughs> and he's wearing sunglasses and an Xbox Series S t-shirt. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> so, like, just playing this game... I, I, okay, let me, let me get grounded a little bit. This is a great game to play if, if you have Game Pass and if you need something to put on your own music or listen to a podcast and just sort of enjoy beautiful surroundings. Mm -hmm. What's great is that it's basically an open world. So like while there are racing missions to do and um, stunt driving missions to do that put your skills to the test that you will fail miserably at, if you're <laughs> like me, uh, you can also just drive around the countryside and as you progress, you qualify for different seasons of the festival. So, like, I just got to autumn, and it's it's very it's a very successful open world game. Weirdly enough, it that is. has yeah. driving in it. I'm really enjoying just like kind of turning my brain off and playing this game that is just like purposely joyful. Like, it's a very positive <laughs> game. Even if you get last in a race, they're all like, "Wow, you did great out there, Zeus!" And it's just so. It really feels like I'm having a dream where I'm somewhere I shouldn't be. Yeah. But having a great time. So oh whatever God. that means to you, this is the most chaotic, esoteric, like recommendation I can give. I don't know if this is, this is like a game that I would necessarily recommend other than if you're looking for a game, either if you're a car enthusiast or if you're looking for a game that's beautiful that you can kind of play in the background. Those are the two places this fills for me. Yeah, I so I, I started playing Forza on the Xbox 360 because uh, my Xbox 360 came with a, a double pack uh, pack in game <laughs> and one of them was 
was Marvel Ultimate Alliance, I think one. And then the second one was Forza Motorsport 2, which like <laughs> in that era, the Forza games were literally just like Gran Turismo. Like you're just going and doing right. races and that's pretty much it. Uh, and you unlock new cars and whatever. Um, and I did not think that I would have any fun with that game. And it sat in the box for like years before a friend and I, who both got the same like Xbox 360 bundle, eventually had a moment where we were like, we just have this game. We both have this game. It has online support. Like, why are we not playing this ever? And we both played it and had like almost this exact experience. We had yes. like in in the in Forza Motorsport 2, not even an open world. We both were like, there is something so chaotic about a, like a very trying to be realistic driving simulator and just completely ruining it. <laughs> like, yes, 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 exactly. Completely like <laughs> removing the hinges from the door and kicking it down with your foot I, experience I, playing Forza Motorsport 2. And I, I've been a fan of this franchise ever since for that reason. Yes, I'm constantly honking my horn with my Calzones car at Tony Macaroni as I just like obliterate myself to the next destination. Yeah, even it back in so Motorsport fun. 2 era, like turning your car around and driving the wrong way on a on a track was like some of the most fun I've ever had in video game uh, and it kind of made me a fan of driving games ever since I've like been yeah. a fan of these games which is why I mentioned like I've, I've played um, uh, Horizon 3 and 4 at this point and really like loved them both they're both great games um, 4 is incredible and like yeah. now that you're saying this it kind of makes me want to like, get back into it now that I know that you're you playing it and there's a bunch of other people playing it because I, I, I would just love to drive around some time it's 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 really really fun and again it's as you mentioned pleasant. it's on game yeah. pass so like yeah exactly it's a no-brainer if you have game pass it, you know if you're like me you don't have a strong interest in cars i don't know if i would like buy it necessarily but if you have an access to the game yeah like game pass it's it's so it's been a lot of fun and it's also just been cool to check out a genre that I like know nothing about and find the fun in it, kind of like with Steep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a cool time. And like you eventually unlock a house and you can change your outfit. Like I have my Xbox Series X shirt, which is just terrible. Uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I found a lot of joy in this game inexplicably. So whatever that means to you, I've communicated it out loud. I love it. I love it. Forza, Forza Horizon 4, available for yeah. Xbox Game Pass. Go play it. Yeah. Um, it's also cool. Like, I don't know if the, the Series S controller has the, like, same degree of, like, rumble functionality as the PS5. But, like, it is very noticeable to, like, be driving, like, in the dirt of the countryside and back on the road. Like, yes. it's, a very, it's a very intimate experience. Yeah, uh, I imagine that car. that stuff is going to be really cool on the PS5. Um, yeah, I don't, totally, I don't think totally. there's been, like, a big driving game on the PS5 yet. But I imagine, like, whenever the next Gran Turismo comes out or whatever, that th that's going to feel really wild. And honestly, oh. truly, Steven, I'm not going to play it. Because, like, the Forza <laughs> games are so fun. I Because I, I used to have Gran Turismo three and I think four back in like the PS2 PS3 era and played them and like did not enjoy them as much as Forza. There's something arcadey, even though they're trying, yes, yes, even though they're yes. trying to be like grounded and real, there's something kind of arcadey with the Forza games. Gran Turismo is really trying to be realistic in a way yes. that like I don't find fun. Like they've gone so far that I, I just don't think it's very enjoyable. And Forza is so like for some reason, okay with the chaos, even though it's never explicitly pointing you in that direction, it's okay with it in a way that makes me feel like safe. <laughs> 
Yes, and they're just constantly giving you points no matter what you do. They're yeah. like, oh, cool, you crash into a tree. Here's 2,000 points. It's like, yeah. in, uh, whose line is it anyway? Where Drew Carey just gives you points. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's it's pure chaos. I also have a big vinyl sticker of Shenron from DPC on the side of my door. Hell it's yeah. the tackiest car ever, and I love it. I love uh, Zeus and his calzones uh, <laughs> and his vehicles. All right, you convinced me. I'm, I'm going to re-download Forza Horizon 4. It's a good time. I'm excited for autumn. I qualify for autumn. Great. Yeah, and it's just, it's just nice to have a game where like you could literally finish dead last in three races in a row, and they're like, you did a great job out there. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Don't, don't, tell, <laughs> don't tell Zeus that he did a good job out there. I crashed into a tree and missed every checkpoint. And there's like a Prince of Persia rewind feature that is like inexplicably there. Yes. Where you can like rewind a race. I don't know. It's a good time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Big recommend. Yeah. If you want something even more chaotic, this is just like a completely like left hand <clears throat> turn. Uh, if you want something even more chaotic and you have a Nintendo Switch and you don't have uh, you don't have an Xbox, uh, Burnout Paradise, I think, got ported to the Switch. Mm. Not recently, but like within the last year or two. Um, and that game is fantastic if you haven't played it. Uh, so I would, I would recommend checking that out because it kind of scratches a similar itch, I would say. Oh, yeah. We're, we're big Zah heads now. Big Zah heads, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on. I, I'm excited to finally <laughs> announce on the podcast that I've been a big Zah head for a long time. <laughs> I hope they add Forza to Smash. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Goodbye. Steven. Hey. We downloaded a video game on the uh, Apple App Store. <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm like I like passed out and you're shaking me like hey Steven <laughs> We we downloaded Disco Elysium. Are you okay with that? Uh yeah, that's the game that we're playing. It's Disco Elysium. Yeah. Uh yeah, Disco so Elysium. Steven just got a, a new Mac. He just got the MacBook Pro sure with the M1 processor, Apple's new proprietary <laughs> chip. Um I also I have the Mac Mini with the M1, um, which I've been using for a lot of stuff, uh, including streaming and whatever. Uh it's been interesting. But uh you and I found out recently that uh, the developers of Disco Elysium, a game that you and I have wanted to play for a for long time. Years, at this point. yeah, years, yeah. Released a version of the game that is native to the new Apple M1 chip and is available on the App Store, like just like the the Apple App Store for Mac. So you and I downloaded it and have started playing it. Finally, this yeah. has been on our list forever. And you and I were waiting for the definitive edition to come out for consoles and stuff. But I think you and I think we just got like tired of waiting for it. And like the the fact that it was available for a thing that you and I could get at this very moment and it would like run fine was so enticing that you and I just caved. Yes, exactly right. Just for some information about Disco Elysium, it came out in 2019 and I think, I feel like every year in Goody season we have like one big regret that's usually like a PC hit that we can't play and Disco Elysium was that for 2019. But in the Discord, as many of you know who are in the Discord, for the last like year, there's been a channel called Community Pickle uh, originally Community Pick, but uh, we have a very uh, wonderful person in the Discord who goes by uh, Pickle, and it was named after them uh, for their involvement in that channel. And they basically like ran a like uh, elimination round election of like what are the most ITA games out there, yeah. basically. Which was like a it was a completely kind of like ambiguous you know a uh, uh, thought process, right? Like what what actually makes an into the aether game? You know, uh, you and I have very frequently referred to some video games as our children um 
for yeah, some which, reason. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. Whatever. Sometimes we do things that are incorrect. Uh, but but you know, uh, some of those games, for example, like uh, Sinar Wild Hearts was one of them. Yes. As soon as it came out, it was like this is this is an Aether Child. Uh, an, another one, you know, Oblivion obviously is one of them. Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. So like you know, what what constitutes an Into the Aether game? I think that's kind of unknowable, and it's up to you. I think it's a very subjective yes. thing. Yes. Um, so I yeah. in this channel, people were talking about like it's not just like what do Steven and Brendan like but it's like what games embody like the not I don't want to sound like a cult here but like what <laughs> games kind of embody the spirit of the show and the spirit of the community specifically yeah 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 so the games that were chosen after like a year of voting and like a lot of discussion yeah. this is a great channel to follow if you're in the discord um, the games that were chosen were Fire Emblem Three Houses obviously Hades Breath of the Wild Near Automata A Short Hike Animal Crossing New Horizons, Celeste, Hollow Knight, Kentucky Red Zero, and Disco Elysium. Yeah. Now, when this was when this verdict was reached, it was before either of us had even played Disco Elysium. Yeah, which I love. So like, I love that there was a game on this that. list that you yes, and I hadn't yes. played. Yeah. Yes. So all that's like real accurate, I think, mm-hmm. given our favorites. But that adds to the anticipation of us playing Disco Elysium, which we finally have. And I'm very excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, I do. I, so I, I want to start this segment off, or I guess we're well into it. But I, I want to start at least my, my bit of this off by saying that I downloaded Disco Elysium. And then about, you know, 30 minutes after I had downloaded Disco Elysium and was about to start playing it was when I was notified that Loop Hero was available for Mac. So I downloaded <laughs> that at the same time. And I said, I'll give Ooh. each of them about two hours and see what happens. So I played Disco Elysium for two hours and I played Loop Hero for two hours. Um, and then played Lupio for another many, many, many hours. So I haven't gone back to, to Disco Elysium after those first two hours. I very much intend to, as we're going to talk about, because it's unbelievable. But uh, but yeah. Lu- Lupiero really pulled me away, at least for the for the uh, opening hours. Disco Elysium is kind of like a point and click meets like a, a very D&D on its sleeve game. So... Yeah. It, it reminds me in some ways of like very classic like CRPGs that like will tell you straight up like the game is going to roll two virtual dice for this action. Yeah. But even that is too concrete for what that game is, I think. I mean, I think I'm even off on the wrong foot. I'm off on the shoeless foot for Disco Elysium because it really is like inherent vice the game. It is like one very of the much. most surreal and just like purposely confusing games I've played that is like also one of the most like brilliantly written and weirdly beautiful games I've played. That's the thing that I really want to point out is like the game is basically about you are this like detective kind of almost like Big Lebowski adjacent who wakes up like severely hungover no matter what archetype you choose for your character you can choose three kind of rpg classes if you will for it's like a physical class a thinker or like a sensitive class it's like all about connecting with people but you like may or may not be on multiple substances you know yeah it's sort of like the closest thing to magic in this game uh you play as this detective who wakes up kind of like a drift in reality and no matter what what or who you're interacting with, there are these like internal dice checks that just sort of happen 
independent of your actions that are depicted as like different parts of your psyche drawn as these like really kind of almost uh like auto dicks esque paintings. Yeah, the way the way I described them when you and I were talking about this game yesterday was like these are alternate versions of chaos from Hades. Like these, <laughs> these could have been other uh, pieces of concept art for what they yeah. think chaos is going to look like. Inner empire and conscientiousness are like you know these these like cubist expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it's basically a point click adventure where you are this detective trying to solve the case of a murder. But I think what's really brilliant is that there's this whole other RPG lens that is basically you trying to figure out who you are and why you're a cop. Yeah. And that's the thing that's like very <laughs> funny is like the satire like against police as an institution and against like, you know, y- you being a cop in any way, no matter what character you're playing as, you were unfit for this role. Yeah. You know, very much. And everyone addresses it. Uh, even if you think, even if you play as like a hyper confident physical class you will think that but no one else will so and that's why it feels very much like a inherent vice story where there's like all these kind of purposely confusing and misleading things happening that just sort of like satirize any sense any character in this world who thinks they have control or order over the situation Mm -hmm. that's like the vibe i'm getting yeah i will say this about the game i think that as much as i'm enjoying my time with it as much as i'm so glad i finally played it I appreciate it more than I enjoy playing it. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, man. Um, That's a really good way of putting it. So my my two top level things that I'll say, number one, the way that I would pitch this game, like just on on the surface is like, this is the logical endpoint of point and click games. (laughs) Yes. Because before it's destroyed as a genre, this is like the, yes, exactly. exactly. Which which leads into my second thing, because what I mean by that is that like everything, everything that you could possibly think of as an option exists in this game and has like a full written dialogue piece and like back and forth with multiple options that you can choose from that will impact your character and impact the world in multiple ways. Everything that you do has some kind of ramification on your character and the world. Everything. And and as you and I have discussed because I, I, wa- I called you yesterday while I was cooking lunch because um, I was just like curious what your experience has been like because you and I pick different archetypes. Um, yeah. I was just curious like how different are experiences have been so far and what i gathered from our conversation about it is that uh one of this is a little in the weeds but one of the mechanics is if you hold down the tab button you can see all the things you can interact with i didn't realize but you clued me into the fact just by telling me your end of this that when you hold tab what you're actually doing is doing like an insight check on your character so you don't actually know how many things are interactable you only know how many things your character thinks you can interact with, but not actually what's interactable. So you can click on other things and have interactions with them, even though holding tab doesn't highlight them, which is very fascinating. So your character who was a little bit more tuned for like intellect and 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 just like essentially being a detective, you were able to interact with way more things than I was. I could not find my shoes, for example, and you were able to find them before you <laughs> before you had even left the like early tutorializing of like how you're supposed to play the game. So that kind of leads me into my second thing so if this is the logical conclusion of what a point and click game is my second thing is like i think it might be a little overwhelming for me at times and yes, and, I and as you have mentioned very eloquently in our phone calls about it is is like that's kind of the point in a lot of instances but sure. there's so much stuff to interact with and so many things to do and so many ramifications for everything you do that there's almost this like 
choice paralysis adjacent to like trying to figure out what to watch on Netflix when you don't have any idea <laughs> where like you yeah, can yeah. really do anything. You can, right. It, it, there are so many options available that it's hard to pick one thing. And even when you do pick a thing, you know that it'll have like it, it'll it'll create ramifications that you're not even aware of and, and can't possibly perceive of as you click on them or as you even hover over the option and see like what stats they're adjacent to that that it kind of creates this this perception at least for me this version of a game where like i am terrified of doing anything but i feel like i have to um and and i think i think you touched you just put it perfectly saying like you appreciate the game more than you enjoy playing it i also think that that's purposeful and i think that that's very much part of the game um and I, i think that's one of the brilliant things about it but it's so unsettling that I wouldn't be shocked if people started playing it and were like, this is too much for me and then bailed. Oh yeah, it's 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 grotesque in many ways. And like I that's actually why the art style helps because it's like weirdly beautiful. Yeah. Even though it is like this rundown town and you like vomit after seeing a dead body. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of there's like, a lot in my case. Vomited multiple times looking at the dead yeah, body. Same here. <laughs> um sorry, the character vomited, just to be clear. Steven and oh, I yeah, did no, not per- I, I I was fine. No, Steven, <laughs> I was Okay. But that's the thing too. What's interesting is like with role playing games, I usually will either play close to myself or choose a character to roll into. And in this, I'm like not even doing either. I'm just like kind of accepting. I'm like letting my unconscious drive the story, which I think is the way to play I've it. I've been very much doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I really, uh, this might be a hot take, but I kind of wish the game was entirely dialogue. Something about like how ethereal and how surreal the dialogue is and and how much choice there is and like how many things can be like have repercussions like i i now have a character who wants to be a magnesium based life form based on what i've said yeah i love all that but when it goes back to point and click logic it weirdly like comes to like a screeching halt for me like so much of it is so like high concept and like vibe and just kind of like this kind of grim surrealness mm. and then your partner will be like oh we need a flashlight to get into this door and it's like, what, what, hold on. Like, I, I, this is not the game I've been playing up until this moment. Like, that sounds like a nitpicky thing, but it just, it's just very, un, it's like very weird to be playing a game that is like all about letting your unconscious at, be at the driver's seat. And then suddenly you need like a Zelda tool to progress. I'm, I'm so, I'm so on the fence about that. Cause like, yeah. I, on one hand, I so agree with you. Like, I so yeah. am on your wavelength there. But I also just to throw your own thing back at you, like, it, it almost feels like the point a little bit also sure and, and I, sure. I don't i don't know how conscious this is you know we, we might be putting a lot of words in the mouths of the developers who made this game but there's there's a piece of me that's like that is exactly what the character is going through as well it's like being yes, tormented yes. by their own inner thoughts and the various like pieces of the subconscious mind that are like constantly hounding them and becoming parts of their own conscious mind yelling at them about like what your face looks like and having an argument with yourself about your own face for 20 that's, minutes that's not favorite part of the game is like trying to trying to roll dice and stop smiling creepily is yeah. like brilliant amazing but like that's one half of the game and the other half is like needing to get out of your head and and try and like exist in a physical plane of existence and like things as simple as you need a flashlight or you need a crowbar to be able to pry this trash can open like 
that's as much part of it as, as the subconscious part. Um, and, that, and that's as much part of it as the dialogue part. So like I'm of two minds about it because I actually agree with you. I do think that like making it almost entirely dialogue, I don't really enjoy the walking around and the slow pace of that. Yes, that's what I mean. And yeah. like and yeah. like needing to go and converse with people sometimes to like to like, you know, I, I go into a bookstore and I talk to the person, the talking the conversations are, are are just like electrifying. They're so interesting and they goes down so many wild avenues depending on your own stats that like it's it's exhilarating to have a conversation with somebody but then I have to go around and like hobble over to each of the bookshelves and like inspect each book individually. It's like I, I wish that I could just select that from a menu instead of needing to like watch the animation of, of my guy like hobbling over there. Uh, so slowly. I, I very much understand where you're coming from there, but I, I, I do kind of bump up against like, is that what the intention is? And at what point, and this kind of gets to my, my overall thought on this, you know, beside it being like a little bit overwhelming with the amount of choice, but like that's also a little bit of the point. It gets into like fallout territory for me where it's like at some points that stuff is so grating and so difficult to put up with that like i don't know if i enjoy playing it and and i it really gets down to what you're talking about where like i love everything about this like i love i love this game i love these conversations i love the the constant checks i have failed i i picked the sensitive character who is like supposedly good at connecting with people and i'm really awful at it even with a character who is like technically built for that uh maybe it's me maybe i'm picking the wrong dialogue options but I'm, I'm loving all of that stuff but there's so much of the game that I find grading and like knowing that it's purposefully grading doesn't make it any easier to do you know yeah I completely agree there there are some conversations later in the game that I like actually like and it, it was purposely negative like, the, the game is not saying this is a good conversation but like I'm like I hate this person I'm talking to so much and what they're saying is so hateful that I don't want to be here anymore yeah which again is intended but it's like okay cool you intended me to have a bad time like there's a lot of that with this game where it's like i get the artistic intention but i i do still think overall it would have been better served as like an ai dungeon like just let your unconscious drive the whole thing and reach a conclusion totally i I purposely let my character die because i just wanted to start over uh i i what what happens when you die doesn't maybe spoilers so sorry in advance uh there was like a newspaper article that was like cop dies of heart attack. And oh my I God, really? Character. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, so actually I made a new character, which was the sensitive type, which is what you chose. And like, Oh, notice, notice some differences in the dialogue specifically. Either way, you're always going to be disoriented. There's, there's no class you can play where you have like a firm grip of reality. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a really incredible game. I would definitely recommend it if you're interested in like games as an avenue for storytelling. But I think it's like, I think it's a very hit or miss experience. And I even feel that way like liking the game I feel like I'm like I need to be in a very specific mood to want to play this and I don't really know I still don't really grasp if it's like a game where you do a lot of different runs or if you stick to one character the whole time I kind of let myself die it seems pretty easy to die too so I imagine it's like kind of in between the two but Yeah. um, yeah it's Definitely a work of art. I can see why this is like so many people's game of the year. It would not have been mine, but I'm really, really glad I played it. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if if putting more hours into it will kind of illuminate a little bit more for me. Because I, yeah, I, I'm responding very well to it, even though I find so much of it to be off-putting. Because even in some of the like tool tips when things are loading, you know, it'll say along the lines of like, hey, cop work is really difficult. Like maybe just go around and explore and like talk to people and see what happens. 
and and in so doing i have found a lot more fun in this game than like actually like doing the critical path you know going around and just talking to the people around town or just like clicking on things and then having like a, a 15 minute dialogue with my with my own subconscious mind about you know certain things is is more interesting than trying to solve the actual murder and i know totally. that that's like exactly what the developers are aiming for yes um, yes yes and and like that's where the game really shines for me uh and i'm i'm wondering if like in the aggregate playing an entire quote-unquote run of this game or whatever if if i'll feel like that was all worth it you know in in comparison um i I'm enjoying my time with it and I'm definitely going to go back and I'm going to play a lot more of it. And I, and I really want to like see it through at least like a whole run and just like see how that feels. But I'm also coming from a place to be perfectly honest, where like, I'm not a huge point and click adventure person in general. So like, this is already a genre that I'm like, not a huge fan of to be completely honest, but, uh, but I'm interested enough in what's going on here mechanically and narratively. And like so much of the game is presented in a way that I really love that. Like, I really want to kind of see it through because I think by the end, it might be like a Kentucky route zero. Like, Whoa, this was really something remarkable. There's definitely a Venn diagram of this in Kentucky route zero. This is like the, like, uh, it's almost like the opposite. Yes. It's like (laughs) the comedy, uh, like Paul Thomas Anderson version of Kentucky route zero. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I just think I, I still feel a little bit more strongly that it would be better as a visual novel. Like I just think that like everything would still be served by like, even if it wasn't like manually pointing and clicking and moving around, it would be like, make a choice to go somewhere kind of like Phoenix, right? Adjacent. Yeah. And like, just like, cause I think the, 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 the thing that you want in this game is the dialogue. So like, yeah, making obstacles to get, like, I want to get lost in this game and I constantly bump up against like actually just not knowing what to do right in a way that feels like I'm playing like a 1996 point like adventure, which like in a, in a bad way. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so. and I think I kind of agree with you. I, I almost wish they had leaned into that a little bit more. Like uh, a game I haven't talked about that I've been playing a little bit is uh, Hideo Kojima's old Konami game snatcher for the Sega CD. Um, and, and for, I think PC engine also maybe, but uh, I've been playing that. And that is very literally like there's a, you know, a, a box that is the actual visual of like where the character is standing and what he can see at that present moment. Uh, you know, things move around a little bit. They're little bit animated um kind of has like a blade runner vibe but below that are just all the dialogue options and all the things yeah. that you can do and all your actions and all, all that stuff and i found that to be actually a really enjoyable way of experiencing the game because the, the the little uh box that gives me like a visual is just enough to like feel immersed in the world and there's enough like sound design and stuff that i like kind of get what's going on everything is is voiced you know there, there's dialogue for everything and even though this game is like kind of older at this point it still feels really immersive in a way that like i think disco elysium could have learned a little bit from um but that said i i i, I really bump up against like the intentionality of the discomfort in disco elysium and like me just being uncomfortable you know like yeah just because the- it's intentional doesn't mean it's good in some instances yes I, I completely agree like there there are a lot of characters you meet who the game like explicitly points out like there's a character named like racist townsperson yeah you know and like in no way is the game endorsing that but it's like why do i like what is being served by going through this at a certain point right so yeah i don't know it's uh 
it's a really, really engaging work of art, and I think it's worth playing. But I, I definitely feel conflicted about elements of it in a way that I think is you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to walk away from this game being like confused and upset. But then it's like, <laughs> yeah. why do I want to play a game that makes me confused and upset? Not that I need everything to be like sunshine and rainbows. I love a thoughtful and like difficult work of art. But I think there are a lot of questions to be asked about like what is purposeful in this game? What is like paying off and what isn't? Yeah. Um. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some really interesting like for for every instance of like. Like, you know, racist townsperson, for example, or somebody saying, you know, slurs against the LGBTQ plus community. Like there's also like a stat specifically for like how much does your character want to dismantle capitalism? You know, yeah, like right, there, right. Is, there, is, there is a lot of intentionality there, I think, in, in, in the give and take of its own like politics, you know? Yes, um, totally. But also in allowing you to play the opposite end of, of maybe like better, more fruitful politics for like uh, the, the public at large, um, if, if you're playing playing the opposite version of that like you're just leaning into being like a shitty racist person you know and like what is really to be gained from that you know right, uh, right. it's kind of where i land a little bit like i'm not i already know that exists because that exists very much in the real world <laughs> like i don't right. i don't know if i need to play as that so i i don't know there, there's a a huge give and take here man it, it's 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 so hard like within two hours to really like encapsulate yes. what's up with this game but i do think this might be the the beginning of us talking about disco Elysium and not the the whole of it you know i i agree i think i think that the ambition of this game is so great that like it's gonna fall short in some areas but like in what it's trying to accomplish it's very successful like you know the idea of like a dialogue driven game and like this is another thing where like, a lot of games like you can say anything and be anyone but like you really like this is as close to AI dungeon as you can get truly yeah, yeah. um th- this puts like any other game to shame in terms of like dialogue choices but like also kind of showcases like what the beauty of limitation sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah so so you know it's like it's like when you go to a wedding there's a reason there are three items on the menu it's like it's kind of <laughs> okay there's something for everyone everyone's gonna be happy but yeah I th- yeah there's so like we could have a whole show about this game that's like how much stuff is going on here yeah um that it's hard to put into words but all that being said based on like the critical reception of this game and, and the people in my life who like have been yelling at me to play it it is absolutely worth checking out if you care about video games as an art form yeah and make up your own mind about it because like i think depending on how you play and what you experience you could feel a very different way and that's i think the intention above all else is like they wanted you to be able to like have a completely wild and unique experience uh, with however you choose to play it. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think we've been very clear about this, but I, I I'm going to say it one more time just to like, I, I guess kind of put a period on it, but like you and I are coming at this from a place of being very uncomfortable with the game, but knowing that that's the intention behind yeah. its design. Um, right. So like, although it sounds like we're being very critical, I think the game is asking us to be very critical and, and, and I, I think in the aggregate if we put more time into it and if we give it its due we'll probably come out the other end and say it's incredible because we already i mean i personally already think it's incredible i I think i I think it's an amazingly ambitious game that has uh you know proven to succeed at more things that it fails at and and i'm I'm just wondering if like i'm gonna feel that way by the end of it i think the the answer is probably yes Um, i think too with this kind of game it's like when you're hitting these highs anything that doesn't hit the same high is more noticeable like when the quality is so high that's yeah absolutely that that's kind of what we're bumping against because i think like there are games where it's like okay 
like Call of Duty Cold War, what was the intention behind this, guys? Like, you know, <laughs> what what are you trying to say with this campaign? Yeah, right. I haven't played it, but that's a game where I feel like you could be like, okay, I, I'm very unclear about the intention here. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with Disco Elysium, even with the more horrific elements of bigotry and, and characters that are like really awful, the game is is explicitly pointing out that they're terrible. Yes. Like, I think the game is like in no way endorsing like being terrible. You right. know, I think yeah. like anyone who is a big in this game, like when you meet these two terrible children who are siblings, yeah, um, the game opens to being like, this is like maybe one of the ugliest children you've ever seen. Like almost to the point where it's like artistic. Like it's <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think the game's um, intentionality is very clear of like in no way inadvertently endorsing a, a hateful way of thinking. But it's there, and you had to experience it. So then you can talk about, like, is it worth it or not? Yeah, yeah. And then that that's kind of where I get into, like, if your intention behind the design is, like, we're going to make every single avenue you can possibly think of playable, then, like, there has to be a, a run in which, like, you're rewarded or, like, you are constantly uh, allowed to pick the most like racist, horrible option, you know, like you can I make think, your character yeah. like as terrible as everybody else that you meet in the town. And, and like, I don't know what that, what that looks like, but like it, it a little bit bums me out that that's maybe a path that you can go down. I agree. And I think the game kind of, kind of balances that with um, Kim Kisaragi, who's your partner. Yeah. He's like the one like grounded voice of reason. And I feel like if you were to play that way, he would call you out, you know, and that's kind of the game's way of like, yeah, you're probably right. Now that it makes it okay. But I think that there's a, there's a voice in the game. That's kind of like the, the angel on your shoulder being like, Hey, I'm actually, I'm like the one person who's qualified for this job and I like, care about solving this crime and helping people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. So. And, and, and again, this is me speculating based on things I haven't played as, because obviously I'm not going to play that route because I don't right. find that very interesting, but it is worth mentioning. Like this isn't a Ubisoft game that like pretends that there aren't politics in storming the white house, <laughs> you know, in the division two's yeah. fucking tutorial. This is a game that's very interested in politics very interested to the point that uh, your politics are part of your own stats um, that you can build up or or not uh, depending on how you're playing so like I'm sure there are more interesting things going on there yeah and again this is from two hours of playtime on my end so like I, I haven't I haven't put the time in to uh, really critique it in a way that like feels li- like I like like a wholesome critique in a way uh, this is very much like a piecemeal thing but uh, I, I very much intend to play more of this and to come back and talk about it more yeah I, I think that's the same for me I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I will say this. I think it belongs in the community pickle. I think so too. I think it embodies like the, the ambition of games that we, we really ex- respect. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I've always been drawn to games that are dialogue driven. I mean, that's why I love Mass Effect. It's why I love whatever. Um, this makes Mass Effect look like Playmobil, basically, like in terms of <laughs> in terms of the choices and and repercussions you can have. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's you know like, what? Okay. Actually, let's let's take let's take that uh, analogy as far as it can go. Mass Effect is Playmobil. <laughs> this game is not Legos. This no. game this game is Connects. <laughs> This game is Warhammer figurines, I think, actually, <laughs> if, if we're going to take it to its logical extreme. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is painting a, like, a, a $400 uh, model train set. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with yeah. it. That's a great, what a great analogy of, of miniatures. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, that's that's Cisco Elysium. It's available for the M1 chip on the new line of Macs, which I'll say this. It's not like the best version to play it, to be honest. Like, oh, no, absolutely not. But it is. Yeah, it, it like it, it is works. playable. Yeah, yeah, it, it totally works. It has crashed on me once or twice. And like when you are in a new environment, you can feel it chugging a bit. But like mm. it's it's st- I still think the format of the game really benefits from being on a computer. Like I'm actually like glad yeah. I have it on Mac and not Switch. Me too. Just because of how it plays. Yeah. I, I also mentioned this. I immediately bumped it down to 720p because I saw some stuff about it crashing. And I wondered if lowering the resolution, but like bumping up some of the more like graphical stuff, you know, like shaders and anti-aliasing and whatever um if, if that would be the move which is like a thing i haven't had to think about in forever because i've i haven't had a pc that could run games in like <laughs> maybe like actually a decade um yeah. was the last time i Same. had like a gaming pc um, yeah I, I played tf2 last time i had a gaming <laughs> yeah um so uh it was really interesting to go into those settings and see what's up but uh i running at 720p with some of the stuff bumped up a little bit worked really well i haven't had any crashes cool. at all on my cool. m1 mac mini but uh that said it's it's a cool game it's it's running pretty well for me um and uh i i'm excited to play more of it but um I very much got pulled away by Loop Hero, so I didn't play as much as I wanted to. <laughs> I think this is also a game that's going to like really stand the test of time. You know, like we're giving oh, yeah. like our first impressions with it, and I feel like if if there's like a Games of the Decade Part Two, or like if anyone's like looking back on like this era of games, mm-hmm. actually it was 2019, so whoops. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a fantastic game. Like it, it really was alongside the hype. For what I knew about it. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good time. Would recommend if you, if anything we said is like interesting to you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's Disco Elysium. I think that's well, it. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. Oh, you're done. Forza on the other hand, if, if, uh, no, sorry, I can talk I about that all day. <laughs> um, that was a new laugh for you. It was. Uh, Sorry. Whatever. Let me be honest with you and the listener. I actually, I don't want to, I, I don't want this episode to end. Whoa. I'm having a great time recording and I'm bummed that we have to stop. Um, wow. Which like maybe is it, maybe is a good place to end actually, you know? Yeah. Oh, leave them wanting more. Yeah, absolutely. We, we don't want to tap out. We don't want to say uncle at the end of recording. You yeah. Know? I think you and I did want to end this episode and maybe we do it now instead of with the wrap up stuff by, by mentioning what our bonus is going to be for this month. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. We've, we've actually mentioned this on other shows we were on yeah. but not our own uh if you, if you listen to uh, eye of the duck our friend's new film podcast we talked about this as like an easter egg um but this month march yeah 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 i know the february bonus came out march 1st or 2nd whatever get over it the march bonus is going to be mother three uh, with our good friend will yeah I'm very very excited about that it's gonna be a great time uh you and i've been playing mother three for a while i've been playing it pretty much every morning for like a half an hour for a couple weeks at this point um man mother three is unreal yeah more on that soon yeah i'm gonna gonna keep everything for that episode to be honest i'm I'm keeping it all in my 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 quick thing that i'll say about mother three and then i i'll I'll shut up about it and then we'll only talk about it on on (laughs) on the episode on the bonus episode okay is um i very much now having played as much as i've played you and i are pretty much towards the end i think we're we're in the back half of the the game 
penultimate chapter, yeah. Yeah. I very much understand why Nintendo has not released it in the United States. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Having it went it from like, a, like, because we were like, a Nintendo's about a game preservation. Why aren't these games being released? And we played like, ah, oh, yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. why they, they're waiting on this one. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Earthbound comes to Switch. But I think Mother 3 will never come to the U.S. Um, yeah. And I hate saying that because I, I know like how hard the team worked on this fan translation, which like I think Nintendo not shutting down the fan translation is as close to a formal release as we will get. That's basically... You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's exactly and the how work, I feel about it. The work that team has done is incredible. Like I, I don't want their work to go unnoticed. Yeah. Because like, they are the reason why you and I can play the game. Yeah. So like... And and when you when you open the game, it's like, hey, if there's ever a formal release, buy it and buy official merchandise to support the game. Yeah. So like, it, you know, it, it's it's very much made in the hopes that there will one day be an official release, but I I don't think there will be. I don't think there will be either. I don't think there's any yeah. way to release that game uh, in in 2021. But it's an incredible game, and I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. Um, I know you and I have aspirations of maybe playing Earthbound also for that for that episode. I yeah. have, I've played a bunch of Earthbound and I, I'm going to try and finish it in time. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens before the recording. Definitely going to finish Earth, uh, Mother 3 in time, obviously, but um, up in the air about Earthbound. But I've played enough of it now that I I, I finally gotten over all the like humps that I tend to bump up against uh, in my previous attempts at playing Earthbound. So, um, yeah. Uh, look forward to that. That's going to be our, our yeah. March bonus. And our guest is like a huge fan of the entire trilogy. So I think like whatever gaps we have, he will fill in yeah. uh, graciously. Yeah. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's our bonus for, for this month. Uh, look forward to it, please. Uh, that was very please much. A, that was a, somebody, anybody. Big Nintendo direct rhetoric there. Please look forward to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sakurai presents mother three. Oh my God. Uh, cool. I guess we should actually wrap up, huh? Yeah, why not? Hey, dear hey. listener. Thank you. Oh, hey, dear listener. I'm not, I'm not one of those. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this is between me and the listener, okay? Okay, sure. I'm so glad Brennan's fucking gone. I hate that guy. No, I'm kidding. I love you. Anyway, thanks for listening. We said this at the, at the top, but like we've recently gotten like a bunch of really, really kind feedback. I try to reach out to, I, I try to respond to as much of that as I can. It's very hard to like either over the show or over email, like truly express how much that means to both of us. Just know that it really like reaffirms what we're doing here. Like it really, it, 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 we always say we enjoy making the show no matter what, but like the fact that other people enjoy it so much too is, is really nice in a way that is like life affirming <laughs> you know not that like this is the only thing we're doing but it's just really really great to know that like we've had some kind of positive effect uh for other people so thank you for listening we appreciate you more than you realize yeah oh man it's it's been so cool I, as i just mentioned like i don't want to stop recording this episode it's like how much fun you and i have uh making it so like yeah, yeah the fact that other people respond to that at all uh whether consciously or subconsciously is really really fascinating and really you want cool. to talk about forza three uh, <laughs> forza horizon three baby great game takes place in australia i think if i'm oh, not mistaken fun. uh what cool. a good time a lot of driving on the beach it's a cool it's a cool video game um, hey if you really like the show, into the cast that online is is got it's got all the links you could ever want in your life. YouTube. <laughs> Hold on. Even if you just want to hang out on YouTube.com, you can click the link to YouTube.com slash into the aether, uh, and then you can go to the search bar and type in whatever you want and watch anything. <laughs> Steven has resigned from the rest of the episode. <laughs>
<laughs> the minute I'm talking about YouTube, like I'm Billy Mays, I have to like take a, a lap around the room. Like, what am I doing? Indigas <laughs> uh, Online is all our stuff. Twitch, YouTube, all that. Um, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. You know that. Uh, I'm very excited. As, as Brendan mentioned earlier, I have my new MacBook now, which means I can stream way more stuff. So keep an eye on that. I will announce my new projects very soon. And yeah, that's basically it. We love you. Thanks for everything. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll mention this because I, I don't think we, we uh, talk about it like extensively too much, but we do have a Patreon and a lot of people are back in the Patreon way more than I think you and I had ever anticipated. Um, the Patreon exists. Yeah. We, we had not planned on starting a Patreon for a very long time. We, we our thought process was like maybe three to five years into the show. We would maybe think about starting a Patreon, but enough people asked for one that we eventually started one. I think we are very amenable to like listener suggestions about everything in general. I mean, that's why the soundtrack bonus exists from last month, um, but that's also why the Patreon exists. Um, so I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who backs the Patreon again. Yes, um, thank you. It's just amazing that there are so many people who are willing to support the show. Um, as we say every month or every week, um, if backing the Patreon literally in any way affects you financially negatively, please do not back it. It's totally cool. That said, uh, it allows us to do more things. Steven just got the capture card. And uh, there, there's more stuff on the way that we're going to try and do. But uh, the, the Patreon is really cool. Thank you so much, everybody who's backing it. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash into the cast. Also, if you're a patron who's like, come on, I want something back. Give me something back, please. Other than the show, I want perks. I want bonuses. Let us know what you're thinking, because here's, here's our mantra. We really, really don't want to make content that is paywalled. Like the bonuses exist because of the Patreon and we make them for everyone. Yeah. So whatever we would add to the Patreon, I think we would want to be for everyone still. But I'm also willing to look for a way to reward the patrons specifically. So if you're looking, if there's something that like is outside of our perception that you think would be cool to add, let us know and we'll, we'll consider it as we like develop as a show and as that Patreon develops as well. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. That's that's well said. Um. <laughs> Give me a copy of Force of Four New Horizons. <laughs> All right. Well. I guess that's it. I guess that's it, huh? Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> to the podcast. Bye, everyone. Every Thank week, you. but especially this week. Yeah, uh, especially this one. Yeah. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Garbage. Draw online.